This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Behind the Braves, the official podcast of the Atlanta Braves. I'm Ricky Mast from MLB.com, alongside my partner in crime here, Director of Braves Alumni Relations, Greg McMichael. Uh, Greg, let's see, we've got a big homestand coming up. The Nationals are in town this weekend. Even bigger than that, the members of the extended McMichael family are coming here. Members of the extended and immediate Mass family are coming here. I mean, it's 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 going to be a star-studded weekend out here. <laughs> Mike Mills, the baseball project, they're going to be playing the Roxy Saturday before the game. Star-studded weekend. Oh, my gosh, yeah, the barnstorm. We've got all the Clampets. <laughs> That's Clampus right. coming to town, and uh, there was a bubbling crude <laughs> up in Tennessee and Virginia. <laughs> and they watch they, out. <laughs> Do you know? This is a true story. Um, this is before. I don't. I think this was maybe even before. My, if my dad maybe had been born, or maybe it was a little bit before him. But my grandfather, um, for the local town uh, parade, he was and he was a car salesman, used car salesman. Well, new car salesman too. I like saying used car salesman <laughs> just because I like to tease him with it. But um, he had a car that was decked out to look like the Clampett's car oh from gosh. Beverly Hillbillies. So my family. He had was, the jug with the three X's had, on He had it. the jug. He dressed up as Jed, <laughs> and he dressed up the family as the Clampett's, and that's what they were for the parade. And he was Jed and had the had oh the jug with gosh. the three X's. And we still have what's left. It's all in the farm. That's what, what's left of the car is uh, still there, believe it or not, back up in Virginia. So. That's you're closer to you're closer I, I, to the truth than you know. All right, I'll see if I can get one. Yeah, I can do that. Hey, I have to say that that was a show that I watched growing up. I, same. Yeah. Gonna go out to the cement pond. That's it. Yeah, that's it. That's that's my. Uh, I grew up when I would stay with my grandparents. We watched reruns of that yeah. show. They loved that show. Obviously, I mean they went to the lengths of getting the car and dressing up to dressing well, up like the Clampets. Ellie so. was Ellie was cute. She was. She was. What was the son's name? Uh, Jethro. Jethro. Yeah. Jethro to- yeah. Granny. No, I said Jethro Toll. Yeah, Granny. Uh, then the banker. Jed. Yeah. And then what or were the. Jeb. Jeb. Jed? Yeah, we're close Whatever. enough either way. Yeah. Jeb Clampett. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> hey, speak. Before we get into today's episode, wanted to give a shout out to Katie Hearn from the front office. If you're a long time behind the Braves listener, uh, you heard our interview with her. I believe we did that back in February. She's got a pretty incredible story of. She had started working for the Braves a few years ago. She worked. She was on the team that I work with on the digital media and marketing side of things, and uh, she now works in, in guest services uh, and does an incredible job over there. I mean, she's she's a rock star at her job, but she had, uh, after getting the job here, lost her sight and really just had to learn how to live life all over again and had to take time off to learn how to do everything in life 
just at home on her own and, and work. And anyways, her story is pretty incredible. And the Today Show agreed. And they had her on yesterday. Her and Jack, her dog, uh, were up in New York. They did this cool. They came down here, filmed stuff with her, and did an interview with her down here. And then had her on live on set at the Today Show yesterday. And it was just I, it was really cool yesterday opening up like my personal, just all my personal social media stuff and just seeing everybody that I'm friends with in the office, just everybody was watching and posting about it and all of us just beaming with pride because we're just so proud of her. Yeah, so that's that, great. So if you haven't seen it, the Today Show has it on their social channels. You can go back and watch it. So. Yeah, I haven't checked it out yet, but I'm looking forward to it. I'm just glad we got her on when we did. I know. she's, But she's a big star, man. Yeah. She's a rock star. So it's it's we got her on on her way to the top. Yeah, so. she's been uh, maybe one of our most famous uh, – I Famous think, guest now. I think so. We we back She's in the off. She's very relevant. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Back in the off season, you know, you can't say we take the off season off. We had right with us that stretch where we had Hank and Katie and Frank Coor and you yeah. know a lot of people. Donaldson. There. Yeah. McCann. Yeah. So see, we're here year round. Yeah. Stick with us. All yeah, right. TP had just gotten announced. That's right. In the Hall of Fame. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, if you haven't listened to this, if you're a new listener to Behind the Braves, go back and listen to some of those old ones. We've uh, interviewed a lot of interesting people. We're now on episode, you keep up with this, 30, uh, 34. 34. Okay. Wow, that's crazy. 34. That's awesome. Well, we're going to be coming up on a year here pretty Herschel soon. Herschel Walker, right? Herschel Walker was 34. Yeah, yeah. It's a good number if you're a Bulldog fan. Uh, so I've heard. Yeah, so I've heard. I was just rewatching the uh, Virginia – national championship basketball game last night but you know that's do you think that way do you think when you hear numbers you know if, if anybody we've been trying to get walter banks on here for our famous usher uh legendary usher here with the braves it, he can he starts spouting out numbers you give him he'll like what's your birthday or what's your favorite number or you know where are you from and he starts going through this litany of uh of meanings of each number do you i think that way whenever i see i, I if somebody gives me a number i think oh that's sid bream's number oh that's steve avery's number oh that's i that is exactly the way i think about oh, it and it's okay. with that with athletes and both athletes and race cars oh certain race cars so, yeah but, i can't but say mainly, race cars ma- mainly athletes mm-hmm. yeah um i mean 22 is my favorite number and that's because that was my dad's number for a long time in racing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he also ran number one for a while, so I think of that a lot. Uh, 29 will forever and always be John Smoltz, no matter what. There's yep. no other significance to 29 than that to me. 10's Chipper, 47's Glav, uh, 31 is Maddox. The, the, I mean, there's the iconic ones there. Yeah. But then three is both Murph and Dale Earnhardt. Oh, and, well, yeah, that's true. And uh, a zillion different things. So, And it's, it's that way in other sports, too. I mean, there's football numbers that mm-hmm. have meaning to me for, for different reasons. Do you ever reasons. use those for the lottery or anything? Yes, I literally <laughs> do. I'm not kidding. I played. I played last weekend because I, I don't. Pl- I don't. Pl- I don't usually play for less than half a billion. I can't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> but when Powerball or whatever or Mega Mill, whatever those things are called, get up yeah. to like uh, half a billion, I'm like, all right, I'll uh, I'll play. And uh, I literally, I my move is I'll usually buy one random, just you know, whatever it gives me they numbers. Pick it. And then the other one, I've got my set of numbers that I play, and it's a mixture of uh, athlete numbers. Oh, okay. And it's, it's been the same for like well, 10 years. Well, when you years. have kids, then you start using kids' birthdays and hmm. your favorite numbers. And, of course, you're old as I have. You've had a bunch of different numbers. Right, right, yeah. Kids and jerseys and all that good stuff. So, yeah, it's just it's funny how how we do that. It is. It's a – I'd like well, to th- – Well, think yeah. about that. The, I'm sorry. Think about yeah. the other night. Did you see the – we were talking about that this morning – 
the um, the young man that passed away, the pitcher out in uh, Tyler Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs. Mm-hmm. Did you see all the numbers that were related to that game? It's crazy, yeah. mind-boggling. And then we went back to Tim Tebow, and they said that when he put under the national championship team of the Florida Gators, he put John three sixteen mm-hmm. on his eye black, and then um, they talked about that eighty four million people looked up that verse once they had it on there. Hmm. And then they related to when he won the game against the Broncos, he threw for 316 yards. His average passing yard was uh, was 31.6. His average rushing yard was um, was 3.16. I mean, it went on and on. And I'm like going, you can't make this stuff up. But the numbers were just, you know, going through. And it was incredible. Tyler Skaggs, all the different numbers yeah. related to that game. Mm-hmm. And then the and so I just thought about those are just two instances with um, with uh, Tim Tebow and, and yeah. Tyler Skaggs. But that was crazy when you start thinking about the numbers of, of, of what happened. What it, it is. I mean, Mike Trout hit the 450-foot homer. And then mm-hmm. there was the – the day of their no hit, the last time there'd been a no hitter in the state That's of California right. was the day of Tyler mm-hmm. Skaggs' birth, and I don't, I mean, like the actual day, year, and yeah. everything. Like it just, I don't know. I, I don't want to get to, I, I can't. I'm not one to get too philosophical or deep <laughs> into things, but it does kind of make you wonder. It's like there's there's something something out there greater, I think maybe. So it was watching that. That was one. It was a cool unifying moment to see wh- yeah. whatever team you're a fan of. I watch Braves fans. Mm-hmm on Twitter and it was late and a lot of them were like, okay, I'm switching like, and they ever, everybody was rooting for it. And it was cool to see it's, it's, we need more of those. Uh, it's, it was a tragic thing what happened, but it, at least in the mm-hmm. wake of the tragedy, there were a lot of really cool things yeah. that came out of yeah. it. Did so. they ever find out what happened to them? Uh, they haven't said yet. Haven't yeah. Said, yeah. Not that I've seen. So well, hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully we'll find out, but, uh, but yeah, numbers are numbers are. I, you know, you relate numbers to certain guys, certain athletes. I just mentioned some of the Braves guys, that I relate to and transition that into our topic today. No guest today. It's just the Greg and Ricky show. So, um, you know, if you haven't already turned us off, maybe you'll stick with us the rest of the way for this episode. But we like to do one of these about once a month and come up with a different topic to talk about. A couple months ago, we did our top five personal Braves moments each. Uh, last time out, we did the the story of Greg McMichael and how he made it to the big league, which was really cool. If you haven't listened to that, go check it out today. We thought we'd do a uh, an all-time Atlanta Braves team. Each of us is going to name our all-time Atlanta Braves team now. Just some, I said Atlanta. We had to leave Boston and Milwaukee out of it because we started looking at that, and it's just, it there's just too many. It's just too. I don't want to say it's too hard. We could do it, but it was just like, man, let's just stick to Atlanta. There's 50 plus years of history here in Atlanta, because it would be easy to start if you start bringing in. Let's see, we got Kid Nichols. We got Rabbit out there. You got uh, Eddie Matthews out there, and it's just Warren Spahn. I mean, insane. I mean, all you can go all these different ways with it. So we just like, all right, let's just. Well, go we got some eyeballs on these guys. Yeah, we I we've mean, actually seen much, a lot of these guys. There's right? some. I mean, we started in 1966, and we go to 2019. At least we've got eyeballs on the majority of these years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was born in '66, so right. I could say this is my lifetime. Right. Um, not for you. You're a little bit younger than I am. But for the most part, I started watching the Braves in the um, early 80s. And so, um, and some of those guys were had been playing already for 10, 10 plus years. So at least we had some eyeballs. If you go back to Boston and Milwaukee, we don't have a whole lot of eyeballs. So it's kind of hard. I think there's an eyeball test right. for, for great athletes. You can look at numbers, numbers, you can look either way. But uh, but when you see him play, I think that's the 
that's that that to me that's what tips it over determine who you who you really like and mm-hmm. and who you deem as the best ever yeah and i think so and i think you're and you're going to hear as my list goes on there's a lot of just guys i saw there's only i think one or two that i really didn't see much but just from having gone back and read up on them and what i know about their career that i included them um I also did, uh, you know, we first thought we'd do this topic. I was like, all right, well, let me delve into some. I'll get on baseball reference. I'll delve into some statistical research. Uh, I've done zero statistical <laughs> research, none. You're the opposite of Domino. <laughs> does, yeah, there you go. He does a lot of research. Yeah, I do not. His brain is research. I, I, I do no research. <laughs> I'm strictly being fanboy uh, Ricky on this one and just going with my gut on these. Now, granted, some of these guys, I know the career numbers because I've followed the Braves forever, so I just inherently know them. Sure. But actually going back and studying them on, for this, no, I just yeah. went with my, my gut. So we'll we'll go position by position. And one last disclaimer here. This is just each of us and our personal, how we would build our all-time Atlanta Braves team. Neither of these are definitive or anything like that. It's just our personal thing. So if you hate them, that's totally fine. Or you disagree, totally fine. If tweet us or whatever and let us know yours, and we'd love to read them. So, all right. With that being said, let's see. We'll go position by position here. I'll start at first base. We'll take turns. I'll I'll, I'll go with first base first. Okay. Uh, this one was listen. There's a, a list here. I definitely have some honorable mentions, but this one was pretty pretty easy for me. And this is mostly this list is going to be former players, but this is an area where I went current and I went with uh, Freddie Freeman. I, he's been here for a decade now. I think he's taken over that role that Chipper had for for a long time where he was kind of the face of the franchise, the the three-hole hitter, the stabilizing force. He's been a top five MVP caliber player for a number of years now, and I think he's going to continue to be that for a number of years. He's a gold glover. To me, this was, and again, no disrespect to the rest of the guys on my list who I, I considered. Uh, but it was a pretty easy decision for me. I mean, listen, I love Crime Dog. I love uh, Sid for what he did here. Big Cat was, for a lot of different reasons, emotional reasons, was was awesome when he was here. Adam LaRoche loved that guy for the time that he was here. Julio Franco was not necessarily a starter all the time, but defied the laws of aging and (laughs) other things to to play as long as he did and loved watching him. But, yeah, Freddie Freeman for me at first base. Yeah, Uh, well, that's understandable, and I think if we – we did this list three years from from now. Uh, he he and he continues his trajectory. I'll I'll probably pick him, but I had to go with uh, Crime Dog Fred McGriff just because um, I think there's something when you win a world championship and you're a, a significant player on that team and you're the anchor guy and and uh, batting cleanup. I think that means a lot. But like I said, we'll see what Freddie ends up doing. By no means is this a slight to Freddie because he's just Every bit is good, um, maybe probably a little bit better defensively. But uh, I think Fred, when he hit 30 home runs a year for seven years, uh, back when that wasn't easy to do, uh, that was um, he was a significant force in the middle of our lineup and, and helped lead us to a world championship. So I barely inched Freddie out just right now. I think long term, Freddie Freeman will probably be um, that all-time Leading candidate for first base, but right now I got it. I got Fred down. Uh, there's no, there's no wrong answer with those yep. two. That's for sure. We need. And my final thought on that would be: let's get Fred McGriff in the Hall of Fame. Yep, he, he belongs in there. And agreed. By the way, the way he that he hit seven years for thirty home runs was. Um, I'm. This is my personal opinion. The right way, and when at a time when a lot of guys probably didn't do it. Again, in my opinion, necessarily the right way. 
but that's that's another whole another debate. But by all accounts, I think pretty prime, swing too. Pretty swing, yeah. He was <laughs> he was awesome. He was the man. Okay, second base, you're up. So who you got at second base? Yeah, so second base, I had to do a little bit of uh, obviously Mark Lemke's good friend of mine. I know what Mark did. I, it came down to three guys, and I had to do a little bit of research just to kind of understand. I, I was leaning towards one guy, but I ended up going with Felix Mion. Felix mm. Mion um, was a three-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover. And and as, as I've said many times, my perspective as a pitcher, uh, my team's going to be built on pitching and defense. And I want to win one to nothing, two to one, three to two. And – in order to do that, you have to be strong up the middle. So when you look at my list, you're going to look at all my guys, uh, center field, shortstop, second base, catcher. That is where the foundation of my team is defensively. And so I'm going to make sure those are the strongest positions. So with Felix, he had, uh, even though Marcus Giles was right there, uh, Lemmer was right there, but I had to go with Felix because uh, he just – did not make errors and he was just a solid defensive player and and uh he could hit too what i like what i love about that pick is that i think already i can tell you're going to have done a better job of representing an earlier era of atlanta braves baseball than i have on my list uh so i love that that pick wasn't really expecting that one and i'd love that for that that's a great pick this was honestly the probably the hardest position for me to pick i I had a three-person list that I then narrowed down to two because I moved one guy into a separate position, which we'll get into <laughs> later, to make myself feel a little bit better, make it slightly easier. Um, I ch- I've changed my mind on this at least ten times. I'm being serious. I changed again this morning, and then I changed <laughs> back when I walked in here. Uh, I, it came down to Marcus Giles and Mark Lemke for me. Giles pit for a lot of power. Uh, you heard me say 22 is my favorite number earlier. He was number 22, a little guy with a with a big with big power, and all of that. So I loved Marcus Giles, but I had to go with with Lemmer. Um, he's just a guy that he makes all he made all the plays that you need him to. Maybe not wasn't ever flashy or anything like that, but he was just a guy that was always there, always made all the plays. Um, he was a clutch postseason guy. If the Braves had won the 91 World Series, I think he would have been the MVP. He was part of that core of the great teams, the, some of the great teams you were on, I mean, that came up, the, the guys that came up through the minors in the 80s and then turned it around uh, with the worst of first team. He was part of that core. So I could have gone either way there, uh, but I, I ended up going with Lemmer. Uh, maybe it's very early. Someday Ozzie Albies could be could very well be on that list. He's on the the track, but with with just a couple of years in, I, I went with the, the guys who have already played, and I, I went with Lemmer. Yeah, I think that's a uh, like I said, that was a, one of the guys that I considered, and I agree. I think Ozzie could be one of those guys of the future if he continues to play like he's playing. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's see. You chose first on that one, so we'll go over to shortstop. Let's go third. We'll go to third base. Um, this one was no disrespect because there's certainly a, a good list of guys here too. Terry Pendleton was 91 National League MVP. Uh, there's 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 Bob Horner, who we had just had on a few weeks ago, was one heck of a player for for a decade in the big leagues. Uh, but this one was honestly, again, no disrespect to those guys. This was the easiest choice of all of them for me, Chipper Jones. I mean, it's he's Hall of Famer, face of the franchise for two decades, only played as a brave, uh, what, oh, one of switch the greatest, hitter. one of the greatest switch hitters of all time, top three, anyways, at the very least, right? Mantle Murray, Chipper. That's 
Yeah. I think we, we would all pretty much agree those are the greatest three switch hitters of all time. So I uh, I don't think he gets enough love for his defense either. He was very solid, if not uh, gold glove worthy mm-hmm. caliber uh, defense. So Chipper Jones a third. Yeah, I agree. I, I've always believed that Chipper was highly underrated as a defensive third baseman. I loved him at third. He came out in on the ball as good as anybody. He certainly saved my rear end. Um, and to his acknowledgement, I've heard him tell my son this. We were sit- sitting down in the SunTrust Club. And uh, he told my son that uh, the greatest defensive play he ever made was when I was pitching. And that was when Galarraga hit a, a, a ground ball to third base against the Rockies in the 95 round, first round of the 95 playoffs. If he doesn't make that play, uh, the game is extremely tight. And we may not win that game in Colorado. We barely got out of there. Remember, it was a series, that's the first five-game series that you had to play. And they had murderer's row. And so he he thinks that that's the greatest play he ever made, and um, I certainly I thought it was an easy play to make. <laughs> I mean, it was like a 15 hopper, even though it was hit uh, exit velocity of 125, but uh, <laughs> it still hopped 15 it times. It still hopped 15 times. <laughs> no, he um, uh, he made a great play, but yeah, it's, I I picked Chipper too. Obviously, that was uh, I love TP. MVP, run-up MVP. Yeah, that's something you just pointed out there. You pointed out to me recently, and it's something I'll put my hand up. I kind of forget about at times, too, because we all remember he was the MVP in 91, but that he was then runner-up the next year. That's yeah. something I forget about. Yeah, you well, know? and you think about Murph, back-to-back MVPs. It's not easily – I mean, Chipper had one right. his whole career. Most guys, if you're a Hall of Famer, you might have one MVP season, but to have two – or to have one and then be a runner-up for one, that's pretty amazing. And Terry was a great third baseman, too, as well. Terry was a close second for me, but, but um, you know, was not a was not a Hard to go decision. against Chipper there. Yep, yep. sure. All right, All right my see. turn. Yeah, your turn. Shortstop? Okay. Is that yeah, what shortstop yeah. here again. We're, we're up the middle. This one, I think, was similar to me. I had to do some research because who I thought was going in initially – after I started looking at it, I changed my mind. I first had for call at shortstop because I love Rafi. I, I love the way he played, stole bases. He had some power. He could hit. Uh, he had uh, one of the strongest arms probably on the team. I think I heard some stats where he was throwing 94, 95 across the diamond uh, from shortstop. He had a great arm. But when I when I got down to it, I looked at uh, Angleton and Blouse and um and Rafi and I went with Angleton because he made half as many errors and I thought well how could I not have him as my shortstop because there again I'm going to be strong up the middle he still hit he didn't hit as good as Rafi he was you know a little bit less but but not enough to make a difference for me so I went with Angleton that's there's there's no wrong pick here either my list was the same I had the same three guys as you uh, Fuki, Rafael Fercal, I believe that's what uh, Bobby Cox referred to him as, Jeff Blauser and Angleton. Angleton, to me, is maybe the best defensive player I've ever actually gotten to watch in person. Um, well, there's another one out there that we'll get to in the outfield, but but um, Angleton is just ridiculous. With, with And he, I think he's going to go down as one of the all-time great defenders yeah, in the history of the game. Yeah, he hasn't slowed down any. With no. the Angels. And on a personal side, having been around him some, he was just – he's such a good guy and somebody that, I, at least from what I witnessed, treated everybody with a lot of respect who I liked a lot. So it's hard to – There's another curse out, kid. 
Yeah, another Curacao I mean, kid. You know, they're I all know. smiling and I know, just pleasant. You know, laid nice. back, happy go lucky. Yeah. So hard not to like them. Hard not to like them. So I love Angleton. Jeff Blauser, uh, from again, kind of the same vein as me choosing Lemmer. He was just a stalwart, a part of the core of those teams that I loved as a kid. Number four. When I think of number four, I think of Blouse. Um, he was he was the guy there. He's a part of that core. But I ultimately had to go with Fercal, or I went with Fercal, and I think mainly because he was he solidified the leadoff spot for for the Atlanta Braves for every year that he was here for a long time. He could hit. Uh, I mean, you mentioned his defense. His defense was outstanding. He had a cannon for an arm. Uh, well, Andrelton does too, obviously. So. But but really the the tipping point or the, what what swayed me to for call was after he was gone or after he left, I think we now have finally kind of that solidified leadoff hitter with Acuna because not only does he thrive so much there, but the rest of the lineup seems to thrive with him there, or it seems to perform that much better with him there. But really, to me, off the top of my head, anyway, since for call there hasn't been that guy that's just like okay, there's. This is our guy that's lead off, and you can just pencil that in. I mean, it's a huge spot, obviously. And with him, it was something. It was like almost by the time of his the, by the time his time with the Braves ended, it was like I'd almost kind of taken for granted how like it's not just the easiest thing in the world to just plug somebody in that you can know can be a reliable lead off guy. And uh, and for me, he was he was that guy, well, rookie of the year. And I mean, at that time, lead off guys meant something different than yeah. they mean today. Absolutely. I mean, we had Otis Nixon, we had Rafael Furcal. So those guys were really good at what they did. They don't typically use them. The, the game's not the same. We're it's not different. trying to steal bases nowadays. We're not bunting, not bunting for a hit. You know, you think about Brett Butler, former Brave Dodger, who was a great leadoff hitter, was always working the counts, 3-2 count every time he turned around. They don't do that anymore. It's more about just, you know, you could just put eight home run hitters in the lineup, and that's what that's what they want. So – um, yeah, so back then it was great. Rafi could do a lot of things. Yeah, it's different. Either, honestly, I think any of those three, you're not you're not mm-hmm. going wrong with any of those three. I mean, that's just one heck of a list. Just those that that's one heck of a yeah. trio there for various reasons. So I, sometimes I sit back and think about all the great players that we've had the fortune to watch, that I've gotten to know, that we have here, and I just go down the list from. Starting, you know, we talked about Felix, and you think about Hank Aaron, and you think about Joe Torre, you think about all these guys just from 1960s here in Atlanta up till today. We, I don't know if other organizations feel that way, but we have had some unbelievable guys that have gone on to, to play, and, and you know, we've got a history of winning. Yeah. So that, uh, it makes sense. That's the correlation. You win, you have great players. You can't win without them. Yeah, and I'm sure Boston and New York they feel that same way that they've just had unbelievable players come through. But I just look at our list. I'm like, on just guy after guy. So we're so fortunate, and blessed to be able to watch them play day in and day out. Even our current team, you know, those guys. Some of these guys are going to end up being bona fide superstars for years to come, and hopefully, we'll have another handful of guys going in the into Cooperstown. That's one of the many great things about walking around SunTrust Park is the way the history of the franchise has been integrated into the entire ballpark. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's a lot. Monument Garden out here is kind of the centerpiece of that, but if you walk anywhere in the ballpark, there are pieces of the, our history that are integrated all over the place. And you can, it's, it's, and that's the, and what's great about it, there's so much history 
that it's easy to do that. It's easy to place it everywhere, all over the. We've ballpark. got stuff that we can't even put up. We don't have it's, room for it. It's storage. It, yeah, and it's fan. So it's 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 awesome. I mean, it's that's one of the reasons I think we wanted to do this this topic is there's just so many great players, and it kind of gives us a chance to go through and talk about uh, some of them. Even if we don't end up picking them for a spot, we can talk about the other guys. So. Okay, we've gotten our infield cover. We'll, we can come back to catcher. The outfield here. Now, the outfield's going to be – all right, I cheated. I just – I cheated. I I'm I took one of the center fielders and moved him to left. <laughs> um, I took Murph out of center, and I moved him to left for my left hey, fielder. Hey, you can do that. So, I cheated a little bit. Hey, they put Chipper in left. They did put they Chipper put in Klesko left. They put Klesko in left. See, that's what it would have been. Ron Gant was a second baseman. They put him in left. See, this is what – if I ended up like um, – if we'd have included Boston and Milwaukee in this, then I had to had to start pulling some <laughs> stuff like, well, I got Eddie Matthews at third, I got Chipper and left, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. But I went with Murph and left, so I cheated a little bit. Did you go with a strictly a, a left fielder? I did. I wanted to be a purist in the sense that I wanted only left fielders and ah, only I center fielders. I cheated. But, but yeah, that's okay. Uh, uh. I did cheat in, in my uh, – in my pinch hitter role. Oh, okay. All right. Well, so cool. that's the I only one I stretched the truth in because because the guy had been hurt a little bit. Okay. So I figured that at least he can hit. All right. Well, I've, that makes me feel better then. Okay. So who's your left fielder? So I went, um, you know, obviously Ryan O was a – Ryan Klesko was a, um, one of my choices. And um, I looked at Rico Cardi and I looked at Ron Gant, and I just had to go with Ron. Ron, my, my 30 for 30 guy. He had the speed, he had the power, and um, was a great teammate. And I just saw, okay, left field, I can I can go pure power with that. So I just like what he did, how he could hit, and he he had some big hits for us back in the early '90s. And so he was my choice. For what it's worth, and I do have my entire like all the guys I wrote down for consideration for mine. If I had gone that way with strictly left field, I also would have gone mm-hmm. Ryan Gant. He was on the list. He honestly, he and Klesko were the list for me if I was going strictly left. And I loved both those guys, but ultimately, for the same reasons you just mentioned, there you had to go Ron Gant thirty thirty. I mean, he was he was ridiculous. Number five, he's number five, right? What, yeah, Ron number, Gant, number five, five. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it's been yeah. a little while, but yeah. See, I'm, all all these numbers. Good job. Yeah. Well, number five. I think we might be seeing number five being worn for the last time by anybody in a Braves uniform with Freddie out there first. Mm-hmm. I could be wrong, but I, I'm gonna. I'll, if I was a betting man, that's what I would put my money on. The, the last guy to wear number five for the Braves is wearing it right now. But well, he's on that trajectory. He's on that trajectory. But I digress. Okay, so <laughs> go to center field. Uh, who's uh, let's see? Is Matt, me? Let's see. You just chose. Yeah. Who's up? No, no, no. Yeah. You're up first because I chose. I cheated. And went with Murph first and left. So yeah. Oh, you did. Your, okay. Who's your center fielder? Well. Obviously, we've had some great center fielders here. I mean, when you think about Dale Murphy, you've got Andrew Jones, Marquise Grissom, Otis Nixon. And I just I had to go with Andrew. There again, staying with my theme of, um, of solid up the middle defense. Um, I'm, I'm looking to win one to nothing, two to one, three to two, like I said before. I mean, Murph is a two-time MVP, uh, you know, there's uh it that was a difficult choice for me. Andrew ten gold gloves in a row. I, I think they both deserve to be in the Hall of Fame and I think at some point, hopefully through the veterans committee they'll get there. Uh I know Murph's numbers hanging up there on the on the wall. Uh number three's retired, but um I personally just I had to go with Andrew. He did things I've never seen anybody else do. Yeah. Uh out on the field defensively. He was a great hitter too. 
Uh, I think he sacrificed his hitting skills to hit home runs at, at different points in his in his career where I don't think he had to do that. But I think he just made a conscious decision that I'm just going to hit home runs. That's what they're all doing now. Yeah. Um, but I think he kind of – that trend was starting back there in the mid-2000s. And, um, and he certainly hit a bunch of home runs. But I just had to go with that defense changes games. When you're pitching and you look back there and you got guys like Andrew and Otis – um, playing so shallow, knowing that they'll go up and climb a wall and take a ball, but they'll also take all that junk that's hit behind second base. It just changes the game, and uh, so I just I, I had I'm going to build my team that way. Well, I mentioned earlier, Angleton was one of the two best uh, defensive players I've ever seen. Andrew being the other one, and I, which is why I also had to go with Andrew, just because I don't. I, it, I don't think we've ever seen an, uh, another player like him before or since. He was just his own special brand type of player. We just haven't seen that. Uh, quick shout-out, actually, the Braves, we just relaunched our YouTube channel and got some great new uh, series and videos on there. Ben Ingram hosts one called Riding with the Braves. That's that's, that's really cool that you want to check out. But one of the things that we've done in there is we're going to start uh, putting out some like co- compilations and reels of different players or lists or that sort of thing. Uh, and one of the first ones that's up there now currently on the new Braves YouTube channel is uh, Top 5 Andrew Jones uh, Defensive Plays. Um, and it's pretty cool to, like, go back. And, by the way, that's just there's just five, and that's just scratching the surface, and there's probably some that we forgot or that we that you think out there should be uh, on there, and that's totally fine. That's, that's We can do another video. We can do another ten videos of Andrew's defensive stuff, but – if maybe if you're a newer baseball fan or younger, maybe you didn't get to you've heard of Andrew Jones, you don't know much about him. That's a great place to go. Just watch that that two or three minute video mm-hmm. of five of his best defensive plays of him doing things that are kind of superhuman in a way. <laughs> I mean, he does like he was like superhero kind of stuff yeah. in the outfield. What he did. Well, so. here's the thing too is that the plays that he made, standing up or in stride, they would have been tough for other people. He made a bunch of other plays looks so easy because of his jump, because the way he, he understood the ball coming off the bat, understood the hitter, where to position himself. He did things and had the routes to make plays look routine for him. But everybody else, it wouldn't have been routine. So when his when his great plays are spectacular, they're beyond spectacular. But some of his routine plays were not routine plays. I would, that makes sense. No, absolutely. It makes complete sense, yeah. that's. I was going to say, I would be curious to know. I am admittedly not one that understands. I'm trying to get better at it, but I, I admittedly, like, I'm pretty much a rookie when it comes to interpreting, properly interpreting a lot of the newer defensive metrics and measurements and, and that sort of thing. It's not for lack of trying, and I'm and I'm working on it, but I would still be curious, even with my lack of understanding or knowledge of those metrics, if some of those things and like stat cast and some of these other things that are around now that we're able to measure defensively or uh, measure players defensively by, I, I really wish some of those things were around in Andrew's time because I think his case for the Hall of Fame, if those metrics are accurate, that's yeah. that's the disclaimer. But if they were, I do wonder if he would stand out that much more. I, hopefully, I think I think you're right. I think we'll get there. He was that he was a heart of the order hitter. I mean, he was a great hitter too, but. But just defensively alone, I think he was that much better than everybody else defensively. Mm-hmm. I think that's enough to get him in the Hall of Fame someday, yeah. personally. So, yeah, same here, Andrew Jones. 
Um, okay, so my turn. All right, well, this is kind of a, again, no disrespect to the other guys, but if you're not putting Hank Aaron, the GOAT, the greatest <laughs> of all time, and right, then I'm not sure what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, that's one I'll argue with you on. Yeah. Like, if you're not picking Hank Aaron, listen, David Justice was my guy when I was a kid. You, if you heard our interview with David Justice or you watched it on the mm-hmm. YouTube channel, you heard me tell him that he was the first athlete poster on my wall as a kid. That's true. Love that guy. Number 23. Mm-hmm. But you got to go Hank Aaron. You can't not go Hank Aaron. Oh, yeah. Here, right? Well, your other choices are Gary Sheffield, Brian Jordan. And obviously, Gary is a borderline Hall of Famer. Some say that he deserves to be in there. Too. He obviously had a great career, 20-something years, and uh, was the scariest hitter, one of the scariest hitters I ever faced. The His bat speed and his power um, was, you know, he he was unmatched during his time of playing. There were a few guys that you just did not want to face in critical times because you could not get him out. And Gary was one of those guys. But you can't rep- you can't jump him over. <laughs> yeah. So I'm doing that the bat wiggle, bat wiggle yeah. of his. Oh, yeah. yeah. There were a few guys that you just did not want to face. Um, but doesn't compare to what it would be like to have Hank Aaron batting fourth in your lineup. Yeah. I'm, I might even bat Hank leadoff on this team. You, well, if he's playing today, he's definitely batting lead off. <laughs> yeah, you know? that's right. Yeah, Get more a, bats. Oh, gosh. One, I didn't even first, think, second, or third. I didn't even think about, like, how I would construct the actual lineup other than for calls leading off. Oh, boy, that could that that's a whole other can mm-hmm. of worms there. That would be interesting. Leading off with Hank Aaron, I'd like that. Well, now as you put your you know your best three hitters up, so you'd have Chip, maybe Chipper leading off with um, – you know, with Hank, and then uh, and I'd have Fred McGriff. You imagine facing those three guys, mm-hmm. <laughs> your first that, three spots, and you'd get them all five at bats a game. That'd be a little rough. <laughs> be a little rough. I might would go. All right, I like your. Would you have you had Chipper and Hank? Were you Felix, Mion, Angleton? No, no, no. no, I mean if, if you're lineup, your lineup, like you would you would bat. You think Chipper? Oh, I'm Hank. just saying that. Yeah, nowadays you put your oh, your yeah. best three hitters yeah. in the first three spots because you want them to get the most yeah most at bats. Oh that's man, why that's some a, people think. You yeah, know. that's that's well, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. Well, all right, we got <laughs> one one position left before we get to the pitching staff and the bench. Uh, catcher. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, your turn. You're up. That's right. Yeah, so catching was tough for me. Uh, there were three guys, uh, Joe Torre, uh, Javi Lopez, and Brian McCann. And as I started to think about just breaking them down, I, I had to go with Brian just because the silver sluggers, the all-stars, he just was an unbelievable hitter. You know, but Javi was Mr. Clutch. I didn't get to see Joe play, but he obviously uh, was a great catcher, played for a long time was here in the 60s, 70s with the Braves. And I don't think you could go wrong with any three of those guys. But uh, Brian kind of, you know, got um, inched those guys out for me. Yeah. All right. Now, earlier I said if I was a betting man, and this is why I'm not a betting man, because I would have put money on the fact that you were going to choose Javi. <laughs> I was just – I was sure you were going to choose Javi. Um, my my list is pretty much the same as yours, with also a shout-out to a, a recent Brian the Braves guest, Bruce Benedict. Uh, it came down to B-Mac and Javi for me. Love both guys. I ultimately, I went with B-Mac. I think about his career. It's hard to believe. I feel like it was just yesterday I was watching him debut in 2005 as a member of the Baby Braves and then immediately becoming Smoltz's mm-hmm. personal catcher and and then hitting the home run off Roger Clemens in the postseason as a rookie oh. and then becoming the multiple, multiple Silver Slugger Award winner and All-Star Game MVP, uh, local, or he's a Georgia guy. I think, and this is just my personal, I have no no uh, influence or 
say in the matter, but just me, I think that he'll be in the Braves Hall of Fame <laughs> uh, someday. Yeah. Um, Stall Ward just is a kind of a team leader, clubhouse guy. You can tell how his teammates feel about him and the way they talk about him. You could tell when he uh, signed to come back here to Atlanta. I was just reading on social media the the outpouring of support, or not support, but the outpouring of kind words that his Astros teammates were showing him publicly in the public statements they were making, not even being asked, like just going out and making the comments on their own. Uh, you could tell how his teammates feel about him and his role as a leader. So yeah. uh, that one that was – I love Javi. Uh, Joe Torre is a huge historical place in the mm-hmm. game. Bruce Benedict, we loved having him on, mm-hmm. but BMAC is – Well, I will say this about Javi. Uh, Javi was just kind of born at the wrong time on one end because he had to go up against Mike Piazza his whole career. And Piazza – you know, had all the silver slugger. I mean, he was great. He was a great catcher. So, I mean, he could hit. Um, I don't really know Brian, um, some of the other catchers he had to face. But, you know, I played with Piazza. He caught for three years with the Mets, and he was always batting over 300. And of course, Hall of Famer. So, sometimes it's a matter of, you know, some of the awards are tough. Um, I, you know, that um, just depends kind of luck of the draw when you get it, when you don't. But yeah. But you're not going to go wrong with any of those guys. They were all great. I love Brian, Brian's leadership skills. And, of course, he got to win a world championship with the Astros. And, and hopefully he brings that uh, here for us. I hope so, too. All right. Well, we are on to the rotation. Now, we're going with a five-man rotation. And quite honestly, the first four are, there's, for me, there's not much debate there. Smoltz, Glav, Maddox, and Phil Necro. They're all in the Hall of Fame. All their numbers are hanging up out here at SunTrust Park. I don't know how you go against that. You can if you want. Uh, <laughs> so the four. So for me, the real debate came down to who's my fifth starter because there are so many. There's so many. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, you can go. So I had Hudson, Avery, uh, Millwood was another consideration. I mean, a lot of guys that were really good for, for a significant amount of time. This is another one kind of like the second base spot where I've – it ultimately came down to Ave and Huddy for me, and mm-hmm. I've flip-flopped on this one a bunch of times. Uh, I, I guess I'll go – see, I'm still not conv- totally convinced of myself because I love both of them. That's really the problem. I love watching both of them mm-hmm. pitch every time they pitch, so it's like I don't want to not pick one. Um, when I was a kid, Steve Avery to me, if not – have it not been for the the injury issues and stuff, he was right there with the big three. He was that, and for me, anyways, he was that talented. He was that good, and he was one heck of a competitor. Ultimately, I went with, I decided to go with Huddy. Just he's in the team Hall of Fame now, um, and maybe I'm representing. This is my one attempt at representing some different eras, and that I got the big three from the '90s, Nuxy from '70s, early '80s, and Huddy from whatever this we're calling these first two decades uh, or the first <laughs> decade, I guess the 2000s. Um, that one was tough because I wanted I want to have Steve Avery in there too, along with some other guys. But that's I'm going Smoltz, Glavin, Maddox, uh, Nuxie, and Huddy. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm with you on the first four. It's hard to deny the guys have got their numbers up there. They've got all the hardware. They've got all the stats to to back it up. You forget we had Gaylord Perry. I know. You're right. That's true. Yeah, right? You're right. So you're uh, right. hard not to pick him. I think that was towards the end of his career. I did consider him. Uh, Millwood was as solid as you could get uh, Denny Nagel was a solid left-handed pitcher I think we've got um, I would probably tend to lean towards another lefty 
Okay. Um, I love having Necro. Uh, a knuckleball guy will just screw up the other team like anything else. They've got to face him, right. and you put them in the middle of this rotation. So I'm going to go with Ave just because without him pitching the game he did against the Indians, I think it was game four um, in Cleveland, uh, we don't win that World Series. It's going to be a lot tougher. He was not having a very good year, and he just he just said pure will and determination. He pitched an unbelievable game. But then I also saw him in his prime. Um, that was, you know, he had been hurt a little bit, struggled that year in 95 because his son was uh, born premature. But um, the years before that, man, he was he was unbelievable. 94, 95 mile an hour fastball left-handed with a big hook and just as gritty on the mound, intense competitor. Um, if it hadn't been for injuries, I think he would be he would have had an unbelievable career. He still had a great career, but yep. he would have been a lot longer. So I, I like another lefty in that rotation, and um, and I'm going to go with I'm going to go with Steve Avery. Love it, love it. I, like I said, I wanted to choose them both, so that's uh, I love that. Okay, <laughs> now we're on to the be- the be- the most important position on the field, right? That's right. The, the relievers, the bullpen. That's right. right. This so was really difficult. We limited this to what two? Two guys. Okay. Well, you're all up. the great relievers that yeah. we had. Well, for me, there's one that stands out above all else. As um, now we put, we have to say, I put Smoltzy in the rotation, so yeah. he, you know, he could have gone either place. But the one that stands out as one of the greatest relievers we've had is, is Craig Kimbrell, and um, he was as dominant as anybody over a long period of time for us. My second guy may may be a little surprising to you, and that, uh, and then I have a couple honorable mentions, but Mike Remlinger. Hmm. I wanted a lefty in there. Mike was dominant. Mike was a great left-handed reliever for many years for us out of the bullpen. Just did an outstanding job. You could count on him. He was solid. I think he had four years in a row where he was up over 70 appearances. Just was really stingy. He could get lefties, righties out, everything. But um, there were three guys that I think are right there, too, that I could interchange. Not for Kimbrell, but for Remlinger, and that was Mark Wollers. Uh, Gene Garber, 145 saves in this organization. Uh, great pitcher, closer for us for a long time. And then Johnny Venters. Johnny, his first three or four years was just unhittable. Yeah. And just – but injuries got him, overuse. Um, but uh, he he was right there. He I would take any of those guys coming out of my bullpen. Of course, the great thing about uh, these guys is that all we needed was um, – Either Remlinger to pitch an out or two in the seventh, or I'm sorry, in the eighth, and then uh, you have Kimbrell in the ninth because Glavin, Maddox, Smoltz, Necro, Avery, they're all going seven right. plus innings. Right. So you didn't have to worry about it. If they if they came out before the seventh, then they were ticked off. Right. Because they were they knew that uh, you win ball games by staying in late, and there again, you know, we had just enough offense, and uh, but those guys were going to get it done. Yeah, I I should say that if I had Smoltz in the rotation also, obviously, and he would be my if if the postseason game game seven, if you know you need one game, you got to start somebody. I'm starting Smoltz. Smoltz is the best relief pitcher I've ever gotten to watch. Also, I mean, mm-hmm. he was just dominant. I loved when Thunderstruck would crank up and he'd come <laughs> in and turn the field. I loved it. You would have loved been here last night. We had Smoltzy speaking out. Oh, to a, grump, a, a group, um, and uh, they played Thunderstruck. Did they? Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. I love it. 
Uh, so, yeah, it would be great to have uh, John Smoltz in both my rotation <laughs> bullpen. But I went with just strictly bullpen guys. I also – just the track record, hard to go against Kimbrell and what he did, mm-hmm. rookie of the year and what he did during his time here. Uh, my second one – I mean, I wanted to go Greg McMichael and Greg McMichael for both of these, <laughs> but I went. Uh, I ended up going with Wollers as my other okay, one, yeah. just a, another dominant closer oh, in his man. time. Nasty, nasty stuff. And I think, as you've told me before or pointed out to me before, he was – I think it was you. He threw, he threw in the high 90s when that wasn't a regular thing, you know, where he threw, threw – 100. Threw 100. I saw him hit 100 back okay. before the guns were at carnival use. Right, <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> So, I, no no, no uh, disrespect or anything to, like, I loved Alejandro Pena as a kid. Uh, Billy Wagner was only one here one year, but he was a guy whose career I followed before he got here. Loved watching him pitch. And the one year that he was here, he was great. Um, I, as some people have said that he was kind of, he helped mentor Craig Kimbrell when he came up late that year. And, and I could definitely sure. see the similarities there, even though one's lefty, one's righty. So, I loved Billy Wagner, but... Yeah, Kimbrel, Kimbrel and Wollers is what I'll I'll go with mm-hmm. for me. Okay, we got two spots left. Uh, pinch hitter, utility man, and see my you went yeah you went first with the the bullpen. I'll go pinch hitter. I'm cheating a little bit here because he hasn't been here all that long. He's a current guy, but I'll stand by it. What Charlie Culberson has done in his year and a half here in Atlanta as a pinch hitter, well and defender too. By the way, if you're watching, if you've been watching recently. Uh, that guy, there's a reason we call him Charlie Clutch. There's mm-hmm. nobody else I want up in that spot than Charlie Culberson. No disrespect. I loved Eric Kinski during his time here. Uh, Brooks Conrad was only here one year, but he had some huge clutch pinch hits during that one year. And don't yeah, don't tweet at me about, yeah, but what did he do in the areas in the playoffs? <laughs> I don't want to hear about it. That was not his role. He, pinch was, hitter. he was a pinch hitter. Okay? Not pinch fielder. Yeah, I don't, yeah, exactly. I don't want to hear about that. <laughs> uh, but to me, i, I got to go Charlie Clutch. Okay. Hey, uh, I love what Charlie's been doing. That play he made a couple weeks ago coming in and throwing that, throwing that guy out at the plate was as exciting a play I've seen awesome. in a while. Uh, of course, couldn't happen to a better guy. Yep. Right? So, we all love Charlie. So, I would agree – He's, I did not put him down. I actually picked our leading franchise batting average leader for uh, the Braves, and that's Rico Cardi. Um, I, this guy was a professional hitter. Hmm. He hit the ball of the place with power. Um, so I might even I might even lead him. Um, you know, of course, if we were playing American League team, I'd have him leading off as a DH. Oh, okay. He struggled a little bit with his health, knees, and everything, but. Uh, he, coming up late in the game, I'd have him pitch in. And he's got a great voice. If you haven't heard our <laughs> interview with him from last fall, go back and right. check that out. I was watching the some of the commercials for the new Lion King movie, and I'm like, there was a spot <laughs> in here for him. He should have had a voiceover for one of these characters because his voice is that awesome. But Turning 80 next month. How about that? That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Hopefully we can have him back up here sometime. Yeah, I think so. he's coming back for Los Bravos. Sweet. Um, awesome. In September, so can't wait to see him again. Awesome. All right, our last spot to wrap up our each of our all-time Atlanta Braves teams, utility man. Um, let's okay, you're up. Yep, it's your turn. I, I went first in the last one. Yeah, utility guy. That's it's kind of hard, to, personally, without eyeballs to be able to see who you would have. Obviously, there's been some great fielders. I had to go with the guy that I knew, and a guy that I know that. Um, that was a huge factor in us winning the World Series, and that's Rafael Belliard. Without him, Jeff Blauser got hurt, and without him, we don't uh, we're not as successful as uh, we we could have been um, uh, without Rafi playing. 
he was the guy that comes in late. He came in in the game late a lot of times for at shortstop because he did everything right. I mean, he was as solid as a defender as anybody. And um, so that's my pick for a utility guy. My list was two people long, two two players long, um, and it was Rafael Belliard and Martin Prado. Mm. And ultimately, I I went with Martin Prado. A little bit of my I like I love, that. I love Belliard as a, as a kid. Prado to me, my fandom really came into play there because I just <laughs> loved that guy. Uh, played any could play anywhere on the field, and he could hit anywhere in the lineup. You could lead him off. You could put, put him down low, bat second, hard wherever. And he would he would probably hit. Um, so I had to go Martin Prado, and that was also part of me. I mentioned earlier I had to move got one guy out of my second base battle to make that oh, easier okay. on me. Yeah. So I moved Martin Prado to this spot. If I hadn't done that, it would have been Belliard. But uh, so yeah, I think this has been a heck of an exercise. We each have built. Uh, we've each built a Hall of Fame team on our own, I believe. So <laughs> we could have built two teams. We 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 could have easily It'd be a fun Braves. Uh Watch them face each other. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd, That'd I'd be pay a good video that. game. That would be. Somebody should make that. They probably do, and I just don't know about it. <laughs> yeah. Like video well, hey, speaking of great players, who do we have for Alumni Sunday this weekend? Yeah, so we have a great uh, group coming in. Marcus Giles is coming in. Sweet. So one of the uh, guys we talked about today, Mark Wollers. Nice. Another guy he, we talked about he's today. He's in my bullpen. Yep. Right, and Paul Bird. So Paul Bird uh, does all the sideline, and he's up in the booth this week. Um with the team in Milwaukee, and those guys are going to be out. Come out and see us at the Georgia Power Pavilion. Uh, it's a night game, so it'll probably be between um, – let's see, the games. I think it's going to be later in the afternoon, so sometime between 5 and 6.30, something like that. So we'll be out there for an hour, I think maybe 5.30, 6.30. Awesome. Something like that. So it should be a lot of fun. Come see us. And uh, we'll have another great Alumni Sunday. Looking forward to it. It's going to be a fun weekend. The Nationals are in town. It's a huge four-game series. Alumni Sunday and Sunday Night Baseball on Sunday. It's just going to be, it's going to be a great weekend. So we hope you enjoyed uh, Behind the Braves today. Uh, if, if we've made you mad with our lists, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, just our list. You're, feel, feel free to construct yours and let us know what it is. We, we will be happy to read it. So uh, for Greg McMichael, I'm Ricky Mess. Thank you as always, and we'll see you next time on Behind the Braves. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.